1: WEEI Studios, the home of Patriots Monday and Friday. 93 7, WEEI FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. Always live on the free Odyssey app. One can't help but be positive.
2: From Boston Sports Original, 93.7 FM, New England Sports Original, WEEI.com. Heard all over beautiful New England on a gorgeous fall Saturday on the Odyssey app or wherever you may happen to be taking us in on this gorgeous Saturday. It's the Fitzy and Hart Radio Show, otherwise known as the Homer and the Hardo, here on 93.7 FM, WEEI. We would love to hear from you at any point during the program for some two way sports talk action. You know the number, but I'm happy to hand it out at any time. That would be 617-779-7937. Producer Stiz Grimy, a.k.a. Stanley Bruno, will pick up the phone and go, Yo, what do you want to talk about? And then you can explain it to him in actual English. He'll also be monitoring the text line at 37937. And you know the socials, at WEEI, at g f y and at Jumbo Heart On today's program, we'll hear from Boston Sports Journal and Locked On Celtics podcast host John Corrales in just a little while on the state of the Celtics as they get ready for tip-off on the season with high championship expectations. This Tuesday night, we'll talk a little playoff baseball because you know that's how it goes during this sneaky, wonderful time of the year. And yes, many zappy hours previewing Patriots at Browns, because we are the Six Rings guys, and it'll turn into a Six Rings Saturday in just a little bit. But first, I'll welcome in the co-host with the co-most, Andy Hart. Hot, how are you? It is a gorgeous fall day, as you said. So how could I be anything but happy on this beautiful afternoon? Look, if I catch you, Mm. that is lightning in a bottle if I catch you Mm. in an especially good mood. But these are your days. These are our days. I am in an unstoppably good mood today. The flag football oh, I can, team lost. Oh, I'll put into that. <laughs> what, well, oh, well that's, that's that's just your resting state. You're like, wait a oh, second. I'll
0: stop your good
2: mood. <laughs> oh, did wait, hold on a second. Did I see? Did, did Fitzie say he's ha- having a good day today? Quick, put the heart sign in the sky. I'll come finish Is, that for him. I challenge accepted. <laughs> I will tear you down, my friend. Ah, you will do nothing of the <laughs> sort. I am a juggernaut of joy right now. Good day. Seeing flag seeing the flag football, football teams playing. What's that? Did they win or lose? No, they lost. But it was. You know what it was? They lost to the best team in the league. Kiddo played really well. A couple big tackles. Um, nice. Yeah, I, it was very, I was very proud, very, very proud. I told the coach afterwards, and they were way into it. I was like, you know what? You guys went up against a team that hadn't even allowed a touchdown this season. Our team scored two today. They lost five TDs to two, but there was a little bit of a, hey, we'll see you again in the playoffs, like a Rams beating the Patriots oh. 2001 vibe to the effort, so... Everybody, so we got a home. moral
0: victory Saturday
2: afternoon in the Fitzy household. You see, you see, came home. I spacked up the smoker. I'm making. Uh, I got a nice pork shoulder that I'm smoking all day for a little tailgate here at the homestead later. Before you and I get a six ring Sunday going on, we got a huge game tomorrow. And Andy, guess what? We have a team to root for in Cleveland this weekend because the Guardians tied it up against the Yankees. Let's go, Tito!
0: I saw that. Extra
2: innings, too. A little well, extra baseball. I play off baseball. It's just a different beast. It's just a different vibe. It's really yes, like it's entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there, so there's, there's these energy. teams that are playing. <laughs> there's these teams. They're playing this competent level of baseball. There's good pitching, <laughs> error-free, clutch hitting. It's amazing. Yeah, they
0: pull the pitcher in like the second inning. There's like energy, and and you're on the edge of your seat. It's not a
2: oh, what inning is it kind of game like it is for most of one sixty-two. Don't you feel like after your team, the Red Sox obviously went through one of the more disappointing seasons yeah. in recent memory, if not even perhaps this century, the century that has presented us with four, yes, that's right, count them four World Series championships this season was such a, such a snooze, such a disappointment that I'm actually I'm, I find myself grateful for some good competitive baseball to listen to, to watch and be able to discuss on the radio, with friends, family, etc, right now. Absolutely. And, and I'm,
0: I'm joking about the energy, but I'm not joking. Like, you can tune into those games, and I've done it a lot. And I, I can tell you, I don't know the last time during the regular season I clicked onto a non-Red Sox baseball game and was interested, hung around, anything like that. But in the postseason, it's easy. You pick up right where the, the announcers are, where the home crowd is, like you feel the energy. You know, the, whether it's the, the home run from the Phillies where the guy's spiking the, the bat into the ground. Um, you know, there was a big home run when I clicked in on the, uh, the, the Padres Dodgers game last night. I think everybody mm-hmm. roots against the Dodgers because they're the big, bad 111 win team and Mookie bets and everybody. And they're sort of, you know, certainly the furthest thing you can get from an underdog. So it's weird. In baseball, to have a a, a rooting interest in a, in a game that doesn't include your team, but in the postseason, and certainly this postseason,
2: it's actually been pretty easy to do that. Oh yeah, I mean, I'll root for the Padres, even though they spend a whole hell of a lot of money because of the Osillo oh, yeah. factor. Everybody does. Everybody Everybody's spends a lot. All, of all money. the good teams do. I know. And Manny Machado a lot a- of money. The Mets did. I- I don't
0: even like Manny Machado, and I find myself rooting for him. The guy has been an absolute vacuum at third base. Every mm-hmm. time I turn it on, he's making a great defensive play, and uh, it's fun to watch. It just, it is. You see these ballparks, that like these nice ballparks that are loaded with fans and energy. Yep. I know Bryce Harper last night was like borderline awkwardly emotional about how jacked up the Phillies fan base was like how much mm-hmm. energy there was it was very his reaction to their energy was strange but he was as you would say he was there for it and uh-huh. yeah postseason baseball got a little uptick right here a little uptick and guess what I have a t-shirt that says it baseball not boring and that's definitely true in October uh, I, I love about it. the San Diego fans
2: <laughs> chanting beat LA at the game last night echoing yep. the sentiment yep. of many people that hate this rising overpriced juggernaut of a evil empire in the National League Boy, do I want the Mariners to try to get home and get one or two against the Strohs because the last thing I want to see is the Strohs back in the ALCS or the World Series. And yeah, you know, like I heard Ken and Curtis mentioning this earlier. The fact that Yankees fans who just are, I mean, boy, thank you for redeeming my faith in my fellow Fenway friend and fan because they are just the absolute worst. They are the pit of sporting fandom. Just throwing stuff at people still in the stadium and having to have Aaron Judge this year come out and stop them. And then booing, having the gall, the audacity, the temerity, the stones to boo a guy who gave you the show of a lifetime this year, who you know is in a free agency year. It's a contract and walk year. And you think Aaron Judge, no matter how much money the Yankees offer him isn't going to remember getting booed by his own home fans because he puts up the golden sombrero and whiffs four times in a playoff game on a Friday when it's rescheduled thanks to the rain? You, you know what? They suck, not him. <laughs> Yankees, you, no. Me, I suck? No, you suck.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. But in the end, my guess is if they tack on an extra 25000000 million, will resign happily and go back to uh, doing his yeah. job at Yankee Stadium. because.
2: Probably. As Million Dollar Man always said,
0: everybody's got a price.
2: Yeah, and as Heim Bloom continues to, I believe Curtis put it, dumpster dive for five and a half ERA relievers discarded by the the Royals and the Orioles, etc. Let's just hope there's a big couple of checks that old Uncle John is going to allow the the, the Blooms to write in this offseason and get him back. Andy, this is, of course, as we mentioned several times, of course, it's the Fitzy and Hart Show here on WEI. Thanks for joining in. We're going to get to topic number one of the day right now after that nice little Sports Dad soft opening. It's the sneaky greatest time of year for a sports fan because you have NFL finally tuning up and getting in gear. College football, the second biggest sport in America, is just completely in bloom, and it's a really exciting season. The NHL has dropped the puck on the season. Hey, how about those Bruins? They got the home opener tonight. You've got the baseball playoffs happening, which we just talked about. And then to top it all off, yes, even more chocolate, more jimmies, more nuts, more sprinkles, and a delicious cherry on top of that sports Sunday in October with this great weather, the NBA season begins on Tuesday. And your Boston Celtics, just a couple of months removed from making a highly improbable NBA Finals run, open as the favorite to win the NBA championship. I believe they have the highest win projection at 55.5 last I checked, which is kind of amazing. Expectations are riding high, even in the face of controversy and, unfortunately, scandal, which I believe some of us, I do believe some of us fear, may actually get in the way of this team being able to realize their dream or be able to get back to where they were with a chance at a title in Banner 18 Just a few months ago, Andy, as they're just a couple of days away, they finish up the preseason last night, blah, blah. They lose to the Raptors by three. The absolute NBA jam score. They go two and two in the preseason. They make the cover of SI this week. How are you feeling about the Celtics as they get set to tip off the season?
0: I think we saw a visual representation of what happened to the Celtics during this Ime Udoka scandal, and it came last night in Montreal when Grant Williams tried to go to the hoop and his sneaker exploded, worse <laughs> than Zion Williamson's ever did. Uh, wild! That I think the Celtics have already "quote unquote" blown a tire, and uh, I I went quickly from. All in. I was all in coming off the, the finals. Then the offseason where I thought you made your roster better without giving anything up. I thought it was only additions. And then you add that with the growth of the retained guys. I was all in. And then Gallinari injury. Then you have Rob Williams, not only injured, but, oh, the timetable's this. And, oh, by the way, we're going to extend the timetable a little longer. It's it's longer than we first mentioned. And then the Ime Udoka thing, I just... That has sucked the life out of my hope for this team. And and they can regain it, obviously. You know, if they come out and they blow doors through the first, you know, two weeks, I can get right back on. But Joe Missoula, I think, has a really, really tough job here in terms of the expectations. Like, the as you just mentioned, they're still expected to be the favorites. They're expected to go to the NBA Finals. At worst, go to the Eastern Conference Finals. And... He's 34 years old, never been a head coach at the NBA level, never been a front row assistant at the NBA level, and he's just supposed to come in and replace a guy who we gave all the credit in the world to for turning around last year's team. They bought into Eme, the calendar turned to the new year, 2022. They went on a run, and all of a sudden we're in the NBA finals, right, and everybody's feeling good. I just think the, the fact that they have been just – and then there's these little things – did you see the—I didn't watch the game last night, but, you know, I checked in, see what went on. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon sat out the second half with a sore leg. Just just mm-hmm. cautionary. Of mm-hmm. course he did. Of course he did. Just add that to the frickin' fire that I'm building in my backyard. Gallinari and Ime. Now Brogdon's already dealing with a sore leg that's nothing Time to worry Lord about. Time Lord getting the surgery yeah. and supposedly only
2: needing four to six weeks. Now it's like, well, it's 8 to 12, and this could actually be a lingering issue and not something that yeah. we can just— Chop, this doesn't chop, feel, feel bad to you, Fitzy. I know you're Mister uh, Positivity, but this
0: doesn't feel a little, little bit bad to you.
2: Uh so the sneaky thing about me being Mister Pat's positive, me being the, uh, the you know, the yin of optimism to the yang of your realism, negativity. However you like to put it, that's that's how. Objectivity. A couple dynamic dynamic works. Okay, objectivity. That's fine. <laughs> objectivity permanence. That's fine. The idea, though, that I'm just always optimistic, always positive. All Boston sports are great. Everything we do is amazing. I was raised during a time where the anxiety of we're going to find a way to blow it or I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop was pretty much the prevailing emotional attitude of the Boston sports fan. Post-Bobby Orr, pre-Larry Bird, and then we go through the Bird era, but then the Patriots stink and the Red Sox and the self-fulfilling prophecies of 1986 and the curse of the Bambino. That still will always live in me. And Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in those 20 years and every other championship won, they're in tamped it down for a long time and did a lot for me to be able to manage that anxiety I experience as a fan. But when things like this start adding up, Andy, I get a bad feeling in my stomach. And the reason why I wanted to start off a little bit with Celtics today and we'll be joined by John Corrales in about 15 minutes at 1.30 here on Fitzy and Hard on Weei. Don't miss that interview. Thing is... All these pieces start adding up and giving me, I don't know, just a weird feel. Like there's a little bad juju around the Celtics right now. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Can we, I don't know if somebody needs to sage the garden or if we need to do, like, if they need to make another great player acquisition. Uh, I was concerned. This really cut, like, because the Gallinari injury, Time Lord injury, Brogdon with a sore leg. That's like hearing a pitcher, like, uh, it was his final tune up start. We decided to hold him out because he had a dead arm, but that's fine. He'll be ready to go for opening day like that's not how it works. All these things. And then don't even get me started on the Donda sports and everything with the Kanye with Jalen Brown and, you know, Ime and Missoula. It's it's messy right now. But then when I see that Kevin Garnett went on Paul Pierce's podcast this week, uh, I forget the name of the uh, certified smoke. Of course, it is. It's a perfect. title oh boy. for uh, Showtime basketball certified smoke. <laughs> Kevin Garnett was on this week, and when he was asked about the Celtics as a championship contender, his answer was no. Hmm. Kevin Garnett, KG, big ticket this week, said no. Here's the quote. No, I actually want to put Cleveland ahead of Boston because you know why? Robert Williams been out, but man is a huge piece. He saved so much with just lob work and rebounding and block shots that I don't see nobody actually fill in that void. Like the guard play is solid, the guard play is solid. He goes on to later add, when asked if he sh- by Matt Barnes, who was also on the podcast with Pierce, if he sh- if they should sign anyone else, some other bigs to help out in the middle because of the time Lord absence. Maybe Dwight Howard, Demarcus Cousins. I'll sign both of those mother effers, Garnett says easy. Well, I mean, it's Kevin Garnett, so you know no he's yet. ticket's gonna ticket. But I don't know. I just I don't feel very like I don't have. The bubbling confidence that we all had on the heels of the Gallinari, uh, the Gallinari signing and the Brogdon acquisition, I feel like it's ebbed a little bit, and now I'm anxious about this season. And they open with a tough one Tuesday in the Sixers at the Garden. Yeah, it, it
0: there, there's I don't know anybody that could really be like at their peak, optimistic best heading into this season. Now maybe they use it. I don't know, maybe Joe Mazzola can do the whole us against the world, everybody's doubting us now, and that would be great. If you can take a team that is still talent-wise seen as a contender or a favorite and convince it that nobody thinks it can overcome some of this adversity and everybody's jumping ship and nobody believes in them anymore, maybe that is the tool they need to get back on track and get to where they need to go. Because even before all this, before the injuries and before the EMA suspension, I had doubts as to how they would deal with being hunted, deal with being the favorite. Maybe Mm -hmm. he can now manipulate this type of feeling, which I think you're 100% right. I mean, you'd have to be the ultimate optimist to say, yep, I don't see any problem with the Celtics just rolling, rolling right through the season into the playoffs. See you in the finals. There are just too many questions about this team. That said. They still also have a lot of talent. They still yep. also could be good. And I mean, they added Blake Griffin. Like they did add a veteran big. I know maybe Kevin yeah, Garnett yeah. would like a couple more MFers in there and just roll out all these guys that used to be good like 10 years ago and still have big bodies. But um and and the I think the spin, if you want to put spin on Rob Williams, mm-hmm. isn't the spin that you get it done now, you take longer now, and then you can actually count on him. There will not be an issue theoretical, fingers crossed, toes crossed, when you get to the spring and then the postseason. I think that's the positive spin you
2: try to put on that. 617 779 is the telephone number. Are you at all concerned heading into the season with the Celtics tipping off Tuesday night on the 2022-2023 season against the Philadelphia 76ers, Embiid and company? Are you at all concerned about the recent Bad breaks, bad luck, injuries, and more for the Celtics as they open up a season where they are a favorite to go back to the NBA Finals. We'll talk with John Corrales from Boston Sports Journal and Locked On Celtics podcast. Maybe he'll talk us off the ledge in just moments, but first, we'll catch up on everything else in sports news with Trending Now.
1: The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI.
2: Here's what's trending now on WEI and weei.com Breaking news for your New England Patriots who are traveling to Cleveland to take on the Browns in a pivotal AFC matchup of two, two and 2-3 teams tomorrow, 1 o'clock from First Energy Stadium. The New England Patriots have just ruled out, according to a tweet from Adam Schefter, wide receiver Nelson Aguilar, and defensive back Jonathan Jones for Sunday's game in Cleveland. Mac if Duke you listen to the six rings...
0: If you listen to the Six Rings podcast, you knew this early in the week that Aguilar would be inactive. This was correctly predicted
2: by some very smart co-host on that program. Yeah, but the Jonathan Jones issue, like, I think the cheers for, hey, at least Aguilar can't drop it, and oh, good, more Taequann Thornton. Those cheers will be muted by not having Jonathan Jones, who likely was going to match up against Amari Cooper. Now you're going to be giving Jack Jones a tall task tomorrow. He's ready. Or maybe Jalen Mills. I think Jack Jones is ready. Jack Jones' season, hopefully it travels. Jacoby Myers, Jonu Smith, and Christian Barmore are also all listed as questionable. The Browns will be without their top corner Denzel Ward, as well as defensive end Jadavian Clowney. Two banged-up squads, two 2-3 two, teams with bad rush defenses and excellent running games. We'll break it all down for you, 6 rings Saturday style, coming up in just a few. And hey, be sure to tune in tomorrow before the game with Gresh, Keefe, and Wiggy for Weei Football Sunday from 10 to 1. Then be sure to tune in to the Six Rings postgame show immediately following the conclusion of Pats and Brownies with your old pals Fitzy and Hot right here on WEEI. In other NFL news, Tua has cleared concussion protocol but has already been ruled out until at least week seven. Skylar Thompson gets the start this weekend against the Vikings. In other news, everyone is betting the Vikings. The Guardians tied their ALDS series with the Yankees with a 4-2 extra innings win yesterday, which we were talking about just moments ago. Hooray for Cleveland. And the Padres, Phillies, and Astros can all advance to the championship series with wins today. Meanwhile, your Boston Bruins host the Arizona Coyotes tonight for their home opener. The puck drop is at 7 at the TD Garden. Jake Debruska has been ruled out with an upper body injury, and Jeremy Swayman is expected to get the start in net. And as we were just discussing, the Celtics wrapped up their preseason last night. They lost to the Raptors in overtime, but they opened the regular season Tuesday when they host the 76ers. And in college football, 6 ranked Tennessee hosts 3rd-ranked Alabama at 3.30. You can hear that game on AM 850 WEI. That's what's trending on WEI and WEI.com.
1: Now we're right back to it, Bitsy and Hard on WEEI. and streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. everybody a decoy.
2: John Corrales, friend of show, Boston Celtics beat reporter extraordinaire. Boston Sports Journal and Locked On Celtics podcast joining us in just a couple minutes to help us have a little bit of a Boston Celtics season preview with all those high expectations coming up. Listen, I know Patriots are in the air and you got the Six Rings boys on a Six Rings Saturday here on WEI, but you only get to preview the season once, Andy. So I thought it would be most appropriate to have a little basketball chat, talk some hoops before we go down and do our Patriots pivot because there's a lot, the, the, the the zappy versus Mac right now. Is it going to be return of the Mac or is it going to be the zappy hour in Cleveland? Some of these injuries adding some intrigue. Like I've never imagined a game between two, two and three teams on a Sunday at one o'clock in the middle of October to be as fascinating as potentially also pivotal for both franchises as tomorrow's game is. Oh yeah. The loser
0: is going to fight an uphill battle the rest of the season. You know, obviously the winner gets to 3-3 and and you feel good. And um, as we talked about in the six rings this week, the the Browns have a pretty hellacious schedule while the Patriots are kind of in the midst of their supposed soft spot. But yeah, this is, for two mediocre middling teams that may dream of being more than that, this is kind of close to a must-win game.
2: Tomorrow is absolutely a must-win game for both teams because Cleveland, who already should have fattened up on their schedule, blowing three games with leads in the fourth quarter, all three involving... Interceptions from Jacoby Brissett, our old pal. Is it a Jacoby Brissett revenge game? 6-1, 7 7. That's a big deal for them. So they lose tomorrow. They've got an awful gauntlet before Deshaun Watson comes back, and then everybody gets to root against them. And the Patriots, if there is indeed to be a run on the softer or softish part of their schedule where there are some winnable games, whoever is under center, then you have to ride the momentum of Moral victory Monday against Green Bay, a team they should have won against. And last Sunday's ass whooping of the Detroit Lions into Cleveland and take care of business. But we were talking Boston Celtics. You know, uh, if you look at the East, a lot of teams got better. It's not like it's just an absolute given that the Celtics will be able to go box to wire, coast to coast and be able to take the top spot. And then there's a lineup, the inevitable rematch against Golden State. If Philadelphia stays healthy, and I know that's a huge healthy with Harden and the fat suit and his mercurial play and odd behavior, and Joel Embiid always looks like, you know, the basketball. Somehow that guy, that poor guy, ends up like the basketball equivalent of Miles Garrett flipping a Porsche going 100 miles an hour. Like he's an incredible player, but just always gets so dinged up. If they stay healthy, they're a threat. You look at Cleveland now. KG's right. You know, adding Donovan Mitchell to a team that was a playoff team last year. That's a big deal. And then if you just flat out put Chris Middleton healthy back onto Milwaukee, shouldn't they have a claim to the top spot in the Eastern Conference as well?
0: Well, absolutely. I think they should claim the top spot. And a team you left out uh, is the always interesting, never fulfilling Brooklyn Nets. And they are still trying to Mm -hmm. sell the world on Ben Simmons is right. Ben Simmons is back. And they now have their three-headed superstar monster for however long all three of them want to be there or stay there and I don't eliminate them I just don't like that that trio at their best at their healthiest is still pretty formidable so yes there's no question that um, even though the Celtics were the favorite for the title and all that you could easily easily see them being a middle of the road team in the east if all the other teams have everything go right and the Celtics who already had some things go wrong have things go wrong
2: all right well joining us now on the harbor one hotline to help us preview the 2022-2023 celtics season as well as potentially talk me Hart, and any other celtics fans who do bleed green and want to see banner 18 off that proverbial ledge or whatever bridge you like to metaphorically say that you're standing on the edge of because you're anxious is our guy from the locked on celtics podcast john corrales johnny thanks for a couple minutes on a gorgeous fall saturday how are you kid
4: I'm doing all right. It's a, it is a gorgeous fall Saturday. This is great. I'm going to go outside once we hang up.
2: Perfect. To uh rake some well,
4: leaves? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or mow them directly <laughs> into
2: my lawn so I don't have to deal with it. Mulch them up, nice. kid. That's the pro move, Johnny. You mulch them up. That's exactly <laughs> Don't rake. Don't Don't rake. Hell no. <laughs> the only people that should be raking, hopefully later on, will be the Guardians against the Yankees. All right, John, so do me a f- huge favor. Talk me off that ledge, or just, like, give me the confidence to believe that the Celtics should be the finals favorite, should be the top dog in the East, and have things breaking for them in the right direction. Because as Andy and I were pointing out at the top of the show, we're starting to get some of those... uh, Let me do an old reference because that's how we roll. Starting to get some of those, like, tiki doll around Greg Brady's neck vibes with this team right now with (laughs) the, (laughs) the Gallinari injury... And then the Udoka scandal and then Rob Williams getting hurt. Now Brogdon's got a sore leg last night and I don't know. It just feels like bringing in a coach who's 34, who was like, you know, Tatum's guy, but like has never coached in the pros. And all of a sudden, here you go, kid. Here's the keys to this $500,000, you know, limited (laughs) edition Lamborghini. Like this is a, this is a big ass for a coach like that.
4: Sure is. um, But, you know, he was a finalist in Utah for a reason. I think he's, he was one of the up-and-coming assistants that was primed to get a head coaching job at some point soon. But I do agree that the, the lack of experience is something that can be daunting, right? That he's never had that, okay, we're down two with eight seconds to go in the ball. What do we do? And, and it's easy to say, well, you give the ball to Tatum or Jalen Brown, but everybody knows that. So what's he going to do in that situation? Now last night, you know, we saw him draw up a decent play that, that got, you know, when the Celtics were down three and and it was all the end of bench guys and he ended up getting one of his preferred shooters, uh, Peyton Pritchard an open three pointer. So nice out of timeout play. So he has, he has some ability to, uh, to, to draw stuff up and, and, execute. He's done, I think a fantastic job of keeping the guys focused in the wake of everything. Um, the the consistency that he's been preaching, the focus that he's been preaching, I think they've they've executed that throughout the course of training camp. So that's step one for a young coach. But now we're heading into the regular season, and we got to see him x's and o's his way through that opening night against Philly, that back to back Miami and Orlando, where you might you know casual fans might say, oh, it's Orlando, it's not a big deal, but they've got good young talent there mm-hmm. that if you sleep on them, they'll 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 catch you. So He's he's He still has a lot to prove. But if I'm talking you off a ledge, I see Jalen Brown playing the preseason like it's the playoffs. And he's he is ready to go. I see Jason Tatum uh, attacking the rim in a way that I haven't seen him attack, especially not this early in any season, where he's going straight to the front of the rim. He's not gliding past it and just hoping for a foul. He's attacking, playing through contact. So your two best players are playing – Really, really good basketball. And then around them, the, the role players are, are playing really well. Grant Williams has shown an improved offense. Malcolm Brogdon has shown a great ability to handle that second unit. Sam Hauser, he was hot early. He kind of tailed off a little bit. But still, when he's open, he can hit the shots. So this is still a team that went to the finals last year. And I think a team that feels like they need to prove that it wasn't all just Ime Udoka getting them to the finals, so there's a motivation there. So I think I think they're up there. They're right there with Milwaukee. They're right there with Philly at the top of the East, so they have a strong chance.
0: In one sense, this team itself proved that the early part of the season doesn't really matter. You can scuffle around for a while, find yourself, go on a run, make it to the NBA Finals. But I think we are all looking at this team differently this year, both in terms of expectations but also in terms of these changes and this dark cloud how important is the first, I don't know, few weeks or month of the season for this team to to get off to a good start and maybe answer some of the
4: questions? No, I think it's really important, and not just not just because of the questions that they have to answer, because the East is loaded. The East is a tough, tough conference. Both conferences are really tough. This is like the most parody uh, we've seen in a long time. Uh, which could get thrown off later on by the, the the race to the bottom for Victor Wimbenyama. That's a whole other story. But the, the contending teams, the strong teams, the teams that are looking for playoff runs, just in the East, Milwaukee, Philly, you, I heard you guys talking about Brooklyn before. They're a wild card, but if they get it all together, they're obviously a dangerous team. Cleveland added Donovan Mitchell. They've got a lot of young talent. They're looking to be in one of the top four teams in the East. Uh, Miami. I mean, I could go down the list. I I even mentioned Orlando and Detroit, teams that probably aren't going to make the playoffs, but teams that can catch you sleeping if you think you're going in there on the back end of a back-to-back and you're going to cruise through it. They've got talent that can beat you. So some good teams are going to lose games. And, And the Celtics have to come out strong and focused. Like I said, not just to answer your questions about are they ready? Are they willing to to do the, the hard work? They need to come out strong so they don't fall behind. Because this year in the East, that they're not going to be able to do what they did last year. They're not going to be able to go into February, January, uh, ten games back and and make up all that ground. If you're stuck ten games back in January, you're gonna you're gonna maybe make up a few games, but you're gonna have to fight just to stay out of the play-in. So they have they have to be on point right away.
2: John Corrales from Boston Sports Journal and the Locked On Celtics podcast joins us here on the Harbor One Hotline. John, going back to the coaching angle, I know Missoula, like I said, obviously Tatum's a big believer in him. He talked last year during the finals about the video work um, and the conversations Mm -hmm. they have. So obviously, so goes your superstar and the guy that he wants to have out there. Hopefully, so goes a happy, productive team. But where do you think – I mean, it's just such a big loss to have a guy come in and be the hero of the city. I mean, we're talking about – people were saying, like, if if Patriots don't come through and they falter a little bit, Udoka could be the hottest coach in town. The guy goes Mm -hmm. from hero to villain virtually overnight. It's just such a sorry, sad tale. But where do you think on the court the loss of Udoka might be felt most by the Celtics?
4: Well, I think it goes to that experience that I said before where – Ime has spent a long time as an assistant, first of all next to Greg Popovich, then in Philly, where he learned how two stars didn't work together, then in Brooklyn where he had to navigate that, that mess before it all blew up. So he had a lot of experience and, and you could tell that he was, you know, direct and he he earned the the respect that everybody uh, from everybody over the course of the season. And he wasn't rattled by any moments. He, he had an idea of what he wanted to do and, and he did it. Now the difference between him and Missoula, Missoula came up as a, a division two head coach and has only been on the NBA sidelines for a few years. His first NBA job was with Brad Stevens. So it's a rapid ascent for him and no matter how brilliant you might be, and I think he's he's a very smart coach, and I think he's going to be very very good. But there's no there's no history there. There's no you know cutting your teeth on things. There's no learning at the at the you know the hands of the greats for an extended period of time. So yeah, he was an assistant for Brad Stevens, who was a great coach, and he had a year under Emir Doka, who had a great season, and so he's he's picked up a few things, but you just don't, you just don't see that in game stuff yeah. quite as often as a guy like you So I'm just curious and, and maybe he'll figure this out, but will he recognize when to call the timeouts? Will he recognize when certain matchups aren't working? Will he recognize when to push in, in a game and when to let the guys handle it? You know, uh, uh, like a late-game situation, call a timeout when you have one, but the defense is retreating and you all you need is two points and let's just go without the timeout. Those types of situations, is he going to follow Color by Numbers' book or has he learned how to paint a picture? That's where I think the difference is between him and Ime. We know that Ime learned how to paint the picture. Now, can Joe Mazzula do the same?
0: In terms of the lineup, one of the challenges he faces, obviously, Bob Williams coming back from surgery, is lack of bigs, which bigs to go with, when to go small. Um, what are your thoughts on how all that will play out with Al Horford, but he can't play all the time, Blake Griffin, and whatever yeah. else they throw out there?
4: I mean, it's going to be patchwork. I, I was hoping <laughs> last night to see Luke Cornett and, and to see if he could live up to some of the theoretical things that we've been thinking. Um. But it's going to have to be patchwork, and I think it's going to have to be situational. So we've seen Derek White be the starter in the three of the four preseason games where the regulars have played, which has been really good offensively, but defensively, a lack of rebounding has really hurt them. Now, there's also the question of they they faced the Toronto Raptors twice, and it killed them against the Raptors, and the Raptors have a focus on attacking uh, the offensive rebounds and a focus on forcing turnovers. And those are the things that that really hurt them in those two games. So it's possible that the larger sample size, they might be better rebounding. But the small the small lineups have had real, real problems keeping teams off the boards. They're going to need Jason Tatum if they if they insist on going small with Derek White in the starting lineup and only Al Horford as the big. Then Tatum is going to have to play kind of a pure power forward defensively where he's, he's hanging around the rim a little bit more so he can be one of the better rebounders, he's 6'10". And without Robert Williams, he's going to have to go in there and clear those boards out and start the breaks. And, and I think he's going to have to learn that if you do that, then you can be the trailer and you can hit threes, and maybe that's going to be a thing that he's comfortable with. But he's going to have to really, really do that. But situationally, they're going to have to mix in different guys. So you just brought in Blake Griffin. You, you're keeping Noah Vonleh. Like I said, Cornette has been a guy that, that has had the trust of the organization. Grant Williams is, is a possibility there. Against the team on opening night like Philly, I do have to wonder if they're going to change what they've done all preseason because I don't think you go small against Philadelphia, at least not to start. So it's going to be a situational thing. I think we do also, even though I just said you have to come out strong, we also have to understand that. The first few weeks of the regular season are in some ways going to be an extension of the preseason because we're we're going to have to see some lineups that he hasn't been able to use because Cornette's been injured. He's going to have to throw out some of these lineups and just kind of see how they work on the fly. Uh,
2: well, we're all too familiar as Patriots <laughs> and NFL talking yep. guys here on the station with a sloppy start to the season, working things out through the first few games because it's extended preseason Wouldn't expect much less as well with the NBA. Johnny, I'll get you out on this one. If you had to pick one player on this current Celtics roster who will turn heads or be it make a leap or uh, positive progress this season under Joe Missoula in 2022-2023,
4: that would be? Oh, geez. Um, I think Grant Williams is going to open up some eyes. I think people who haven't been paying attention to the preseason are going to see an increased off the dribble type of thing. Uh, He's going to be playing a little more dynamic than they're used to seeing. So I think, I think Grant is going to be showing more than people expect, but I think they should also be prepared. Like Jalen is playing out of his mind. Jason is playing like great as far as driving the ball and, and hopefully he can get that three point shot going. But I think if, if we're, we're talking in three weeks, and you're you're getting that buzz around the water cooler i think a lot of people going to be like wow i didn't realize grant could do that cuz he's going off the dribble a lot
2: last season of course uh some of those uh threes from the corner office and of course getting mouthy with the coach on the bench a lot of times those are the reasons <laughs> why we were familiar with grant williams last night his sneaker explodes let's hope let's hope that is not a metaphor for the season to come because yeah right that was the wrong reason to go viral uh can, you can listen to him every day on the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can follow him at John Corrales. We'll check in with him throughout the season. He's a great follow, one of the best riders and beat follows in town in the Celtics. Johnny, thanks for helping us preview the season. Uh, tip-off is Tuesday. It's going to be a long one. Let's hope it's a great one that ends with a duck boat for you to ride on in June, my man. <laughs> Let's hope. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you, Johnny. John Corrales on the Harbor One Hotline here with Fitzy and Hart. All right, Andy, we have scratched that basketball itch. When we come back, it's time to turn it into a six-ring Saturday. We got some football to talk about. And do we really, do we really think there's a quarterback controversy brewing here in Pats Nation in Foxborough with Coach Belichick? And is there a chance Mac even starts tomorrow? We'll break it all down and then some Fitzy and Hart with you on Weei.
1: WEI, we are right back to Fitzy and Heart.
2: Streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app.
1: How similar are Bailey, Zappi, and Mac Jones' skill sets? Has it been an
2: easy transition having him, um, you know, take the first half at practice?
1: Uh, a similar, both uh, uh, right-handed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Coach oh, Belichick.
2: You cut up, you. You so funny.
1: <sighs>
2: L-O-L. What a rip. What a gas that guy is. Seems like he's been in a pretty good mood this week, though, Andy. Fitzy and Hart here on W E E I. Yeah, it's the Patriots' pivot. It's not even a six-ring Sunday. It's a six-ring Saturday now. We're knee-deep. We're rolling into this game tomorrow. It's a big one. Patriots at Browns, 1 o'clock, first energy stadium. Both two and three teams. Each of them potentially with an interim quarterback under center tomorrow. Each of them with powerful running games. One, an established running back star. The best running back in the NFL, Nick Chubb. One, a star on the rise as you've been predicting and calling for in Ramondre Stevenson. The takeover of the Ramonster is upon us. Two porous rushing defenses and... A couple of banged up secondaries. Andy, this game is huge, yet let's just let's just dial it back for a second. Belichick has made a point of not coming out and saying, A, who the starter is tomorrow, quintessential Patriots mind games, because why would he want to give Cleveland any advantage as to who they should and could prepare for tomorrow under center? Nor has he given any indication or any clarity as to who will be the starter. Going forward, depending on or regardless of the outcome of tomorrow, what gives? Yeah, I think that's the interesting part is the he he easily could say
0: when Mac is healthy, he's our starting quarterback. And that doesn't tell you when that is. That could be this week. That could be three weeks from now. Who knows? But he has not said that he's uh, had multiple opportunities on our airwaves and on press conferences and zooms. And we all remember Cam is our quarterback. Cam Newton's Mm -hmm. our quarterback. Cam's our starter. Cam's our, like, every week, you know, Lou and Christian would ask him. There were various press conferences. He was very comfortable doing it that year when Jarrett Stidham was, you know, never really given an opportunity to play. So why is he not willing to say Mac Jones is the starting quarterback? And I think he is using this as an opportunity to put some pressure on Mac Jones, to continue to motivate Mac Jones. He is still only you know, a year and a month into his NFL career and remind him, especially coming off three games, five interceptions, not playing the kind of football they're probably looking for, remind him, you know, you're not the chosen one. You're not a franchise quarterback. Like, I didn't use a Sharpie when I wrote you atop that depth chart. I can I can move it right now, and I can put a different name in there. So do I believe that Mac Jones is the quarterback? Absolutely. But if you can get in a little extra motivation, light a little fire under his Katukis. Just like maybe they were trying to do, if you believe Mike Lombardi, when he said Mac was going to be benched, if you believe that was sourced information or put out there as a fob, a friend of Bill Belichick, this is another opportunity to continue to motivate and, and sort of uh, manipulate Mac Jones.
2: Yeah, that seems like a little bit of well placed Patriots propaganda. <clears throat> Excuse me, right there in putting out the, oh, Mac Jones could have gotten benched the way he was playing mm-hmm. before the injury when Calais Campbell rolled up on him against Baltimore. That seemed a little interesting that he would it would come out through the conciliary, the mouthpiece, if you will, for the organization in Mike Lombardi. But I'm stuck right now, and I think a lot of people are sort of stuck on the idea like there's no denying that Bailey Zappy coming in out of nowhere has done more than just, oh, thank God, it's not Brian Hoyer we've been subjected to. The energy that's been imbued into the fan base the media, the region, the team, etc., cetera, is more than just, all right, we're not suffering through a couple of games. We're not toiling through Axel Brian Hoyer languishing on the team. This is a lot. There's something more going on right now because Bailey Zappi has hardly come in and thrown for 400 yards and four touchdowns in every game. He's just had to be a game manager, and he's been effective at that. I'm impressed by his poise, by the fact that he is ready coming in as an unheralded fourth-round pick who probably never thought, in his wildest dreams, he would see the field this year. Now, all of a sudden, he's a star. Like, the guy is... a Like, right now, he is the toast of the town. He is an absolute star of the town. He's mentioned on other radio stations, NFL Network all the time. It's all about Zappy Hour. And I can't help but think there's got to be some part of Belichick that wonders... Is this kid really something special, and is he going to be easier to work with? Do I have a higher ceiling for the way I want to orchestrate this team, the way they prepared and built it for this year? Or is this Belichick going, i got to find a way to get Mac Jones to line up and get in lockstep with what we were doing. Maybe the threat of getting replaced with the hotshot Rook out of the fourth round in Western Kentucky, that's the way to light a fire under Mac. I, I, I'm stuck between the two. I can't for the life of me figure out which way this is going to go.
0: Yeah, I can't really envision Bill just yet saying, yeah, Zappy's better suited for anything, for anything they want to do. I can't possibly fathom that or see that. So I think it's more the latter. It's more the, the, the manipulation of Mac, the the lighting of fire under Mac, however you want to, to term it. But in terms of the popularity, I think there's actually a lot of factors at play there. Um, our friend Mutt, Mike McNansky, Mutt at Night, has this idea that if his name was Bailey Smith, it would not be as big a deal. Like Zappy brings some sort of fun and all the puns. And and you and I have done it. And Dietrich Wise has done it. And, you know, uh, Christian asked Zappy himself some of them. Like everybody's got some fun with the Zappy name. But I also think another factor here is some portion of the fan base is at best uncertain about how good Mac is or flat-out doesn't really like Mac. There's a Mm. distaste for Mac that was, I think, strengthened or emboldened by the interceptions and the start to the season. And I think, you know, Chris Schein is an example of somebody who has never really liked Mac. Jermaine Wiggins. Jump Street.
2: From the second they selected him in the first round,
0: 15th overall. So you have that group because he's not sexy. He doesn't. You're not really sure why you should like him, right? I've said this to you. The Josh Allen's or the Patrick Mahomes, the Lamar Jacksons, the Justin Herberts—they all bring something visually tangible that fans can latch onto. Who's got a cannon? Who you see him run? You see his size? You see his size and his running ability? Mac has none of that. If you're gonna fall in love with Mac, you have to fall in love with his brain, is like a computer, and he processes plays. And boy, the accuracy—it's like it's hard to see. You have to have some faith in it. So some people just inherently don't like Mac cuz he lacks the physical tools that they think everybody around the league has and you need to have that to succeed. Others I do think are a little like, "Huh, is this really the guy?" You know, I've watched him play now for 20 games or 21 games and not really sold this is the guy. And all of a sudden, you have another guy who was put in a tough spot, didn't fall on his face, and you're just a little bit curious as to, well, maybe this guy has a little something-something. So I really do think there's a lot of factors that have all come together in this early October span here to popularize Zappi right now. But in the end, do you think there's anybody if you made anybody say, listen, you literally have to stake your life on it? Which quarterback do you
2: want that they would pick Bailey Zappy? Do you think there's anybody? I'll answer that question and more as we keep the discussion 50's. going. When hour number two of the Fitzy and Hart show, that's how the host rolls at Andy, you always tell me, keep the show moving, make sure we hit the breaks on time. Well, I am. And I tease the second hour. We'll have that conversation going. We would love your calls on the subject as well. 617-779-7937. It's Fitzy and Hart on EEI on a Saturday. Don't go anywhere.